Hey, it's Ian Altman. My guest this week is Dave Lorenzo. Dave's the author of a recent book called The 60 Second Sale, the ultimate system for building lifelong client relationships in the blink of an eye. We're going to talk about some of the elements in the 60 Second Sale, like Well, gee, is it really about making a sale in 60 seconds? We're going to talk about networking and building relationships that can drive long-term value. You're really going to learn a ton. There's some great insight from Dave Lorenzo. Dave Lorenzo, welcome to the program. Great. Thanks for having me. You betcha. So um, can you share with our audience something surprising about you that they may not know? Well, the most surprising thing I can probably share with your audience is the the reason that I got into doing what I'm doing now is, believe it or not, I was struck by a taxi cab in New York City. And that that got me into consulting and working with people to help them with sales. Um, that's the, that's the, that's the big surprising thing. And it's, it would be even more surprising if you could see me right now, I'm jumping up and down, waving my arms and legs because everything works. And <laughs> it's important to me that, you know, that everything works. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know what? I remember reading in the book that you were struck by a taxi cab and I thought to myself, man, you know, I've often thought I was going to get in an accident while in a taxi cab, but not so much outside of one. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's one of those things I people ask me. So I tell this story whenever I whenever I speak uh, after the, after the speech is over, people come up to me and I could have just given them the magic recipe for making the the, the best cake in the world. Or I could have given them the five tips to uh, to making a million dollars in six weeks. And they'll always come up to me and they'll and they'll ask me one question. And the one question is you were texting, right? And, you know, when I got hit by the cab, you didn't text. That was that was 2005. Yeah. There was no texting then. Was, <laughs> we weren't we weren't we barely had a cell phone. Exactly. And, and let's put it this way. Back then, if you had the cell phone on you, the cab would have hit that instead of you. Yeah, exactly. I would have I, I would have been weighed down because I was carrying. I had three people helping me carry it. They would have seen the cab coming. Exactly. Exactly. But thankfully, it all worked out. It worked. It really, it really worked out for the best because it it made me realize how precious my uh, my time was and how important it is to be able to control your own uh, destiny. Control your own. I mean, it's it's a hackneyed cliche, but being able to control your future. Uh, you know, I was I was an executive with a Gallup organization. I had a great, you know, I had a great, I had a great job. I was making wonderful money, but my life was uh, just a, a complete train wreck. I was overweight. I had been divorced. I was traveling all over the place. Um, I was traveling sometimes six days a week. Sometimes it just wasn't worth it to even come home on the weekends because I was going from one place to the next. And I was I was doing good work, working with great clients. But I, I have to tell you, my life was not my own. I didn't I didn't control what was going to happen to me from one day to the next. I controlled who I worked with because I was I was really great at prescribing solutions for people, and that's what we did in consulting. And I was really great at finding people who had problems we could solve. But I, I you know, I was I constantly had to chase the next deal because I had partners who were counting on me. I had the company who was counting on me. Um, and you know, my portfolio of business was my personal portfolio was $20 million and my team worked on over $250 million in business. So, 
Um, that's a lot of mouths to feed. And it was a lot of, uh, you know, it was, it was just a lot of responsibility and a lot of pressure. And I, I needed to be able to get to a place where I could control my own future. And that's, and, and that getting hit by a cab, that, that's what it took to make me realize it. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you refer to it as, gee, my life was a, was a train wreck or it could have been in this case, a, a car collision, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was a car wreck. It was literally my life was literally a car wreck. Exactly. So uh, so I asked you on to talk about your new book, the sixty second sale. And so the first thing that people are thinking is, oh, he must be just you know he must be talking about online sales because no one's making a sale in sixty seconds. And having read the book, I know that's not what it's about. So give us some insight as to why the sixty second sale. Sure. There's, there's really, and, I, and that's the, that's the second question I get usually after, after they asked me if I was texting when the, when the guy ran me over with the taxi, the second question they ask is you, you really can't sell something in 60 seconds. Can you, <laughs> the answer, the answer to that question is yes, but it's not what you think you every day we face moments of truth, right? And in 60 seconds, people make decisions on whether or not they're going to do something. So you walk into the room to meet with someone, they're deciding within 60 seconds, whether or not they like you and they, and they want to, they want to continue to invest time with you. Um, these moments of truth are, you know, are laid out throughout my entire sales system. And they're probably laid out throughout the entire system that, that you teach people as well. So when we talk about the 60 second sale, we talk about winning those moments of truth, but there's more than that. When we talk, when I talk about the 60 second sale, I talk about you having the opportunity to create a new relationship with somebody and create the conditions under which someone will say yes to you for a large contract. I mean, in the B2B selling space for a multi-million dollar contract in 60 seconds. So think about, uh, think about an RFP process for a minute, a request for proposal process. That is the bane of our existence, right? You and I, we, we hate when, when we hear our clients tell us, oh, you know, we're, we're getting into the middle of an RFP process. One of my, one of my great prospects just put out an RFP. If, if you have the opportunity to develop a relationship with someone, or if you take the time to develop a relationship with someone, they call you before the thing goes to RFP and they say, hey, listen, I'm going to have to put this out to, uh, to bid, but I really want to work with you. So will you help me with the RFP? And that's, you've made the sale there. That's where you made the sale in that minute, in that 60 seconds, you made the sale because of your relationship. So what the 60 second sale is all about is about, it's about creating that condition where someone will call you. And in a minute you have the opportunity to, to close a million dollar deal because you've set everything up correctly. Sure. And Dave, one of the things I love that you've done in the book is it's, there are a lot of books that say, well, you should build rapport. Well, you should build a connection. And then the person reading it is thinking, dude, I get that. But if I knew how to do that, I would have already done it. And you give people scripts and dialogues and kind of step-by-step -step to, hey, look, if you're reaching out to your network, here's a formula for success in reaching out to your network. I mean, one of, one of my favorite chapter titles that you have is how to be great at networking, even if you hate people. Yeah. And um, it's something that I think will resonate with a lot of people. So get, share some insights into some of the different strategies that you talk about in the book and how it will help people achieve better success. All right. Perfect. Thanks for thanks for asking. So 
The first strategy is uh, that I'll share is the um, is the very first script you'll come across in the book, and it's the it's the it's the script that I use whenever I go to a to a networking event. I speak. Uh, last year, I think I spoke 70 plus times this year. I cut it down cause I didn't want to travel that much, but I'll speak more than 50 times. And I speak to audiences of all different sizes from 25 to, you know, 2,500. I, I enjoy being on stage. I enjoy teaching people. I enjoy sharing, uh, the value that I can provide with people, especially in large numbers. But if you get me in a one-on-one setting, I am probably one of the most uncomfortable people you'll ever meet. The best friend I have at a networking event usually is the bartender. And if there's no bartender, it's the person who's closest to the door. So I created years ago, I created a script for myself to be able to start conversations at networking events. And I found that this script works really well, even in a one on one setting. And I've tried it everywhere, even in the supermarket. So here's how here's how it goes. Obviously, when you're when you're uh, connecting with someone or approaching someone for the first time, you want to try to highlight some uh, some point of commonality. So when you go to it, when I, what I always say when I go to a networking event and I approach somebody is I, I go to them and I say, don't you hate networking events? I really I really can't stand these things. And the person they always say yes. Nobody and everybody's there. I don't understand. Why are all these people coming to these networking events when they hate them? But anyway, so I'm at a networking event. I'll say, don't you hate networking events? And the person always says yes. So I'm addressing the point of commonality that we have. If we're in the supermarket, I'll look at the supermarket tabloid and uh, the checkout and I'll talk. I'll turn to the person behind me and I'll point to one of the headlines and I'll go, you think that's true? And we'll have we'll start a conversation about something that we have in common. Uh, the next step is I always say I always turn to them and I, I extend my hand, palm up like I'm going to shake their hand. I say, hi, my name's Dave. What's your name? And this is a thing they teach you when you're in kindergarten. But we forget it when we're adults. I've coached a little league. I coached a little league baseball team two years ago for my son. And there were there were two parents on the team. I went through an entire 25 game season. I found out what their names were bad on me, but I found out what their names were on the last day of the season. So I always extend my hand and I say, hi, my name is Dave. What's your name? They tell me their name. And at a networking event, I'll just come right out and say, so tell me, what do you do for work? And you're at a networking event, they'll they'll tell you. And no matter what the answer is, they could tell me that they just got finished, um, you know, emptying garbage cans uh, all across the city. I'll look at them and I'll say, that's fascinating. How did you get into that? And then we're off to the races because most people will uh, will be happy to tell you their their origin story. Right. They'll be happy to tell you how they got into what they're doing. Um, They'll be happy to tell you, you know, the reason why, um, you know, and usually the the more uh, the more interesting the job, the worse the story. So usually people who have like jobs that you would typically think of as mundane or boring have great stories as to how they got in there, uh, how they how they got into it. If you can if you can ever uh, if you can ever come across if you ever come across a lawyer, you're probably going to get a 90 percent chance you're going to get one of two answers as to why they became a lawyer. Uh, the, the the most popular answer is because 
because they didn't know what to do after they graduated college. The <laughs> second most popular answer is they didn't want to go to medical school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so I ask people what they do for work and they, they, they always tell me and it's always a, it's always a story that, um, you know, that's that's relatable or interesting. And I tell them that uh, I tell them that it's a really interesting story. And I ask them I ask them how things are going. So how's how's work going for you now? Um, what's going what's going on at work? Anything interesting going on at work? And what what happens in this point, believe it or not, uh, you know, the, the folks listening to us might not believe it, but we're we're like three or four questions in. But we're probably like 15 minutes into the conversation. And I may have said 25 words total. But this person thinks I'm the greatest conversationalist on planet Earth because they're talking about their self, themselves. Well, and, and, and Dave, the thing I love is that you're not saying, so what do you do? Well, right now I'm drinking a, uh, you know, I'm drinking a seven and seven and talking to you. But you say, so what do you do for work? So you're being specific because if you're trying to figure out who might be a good connection from a business standpoint, if you're trying to uh, build connections with multiple people, then you know that might be your your interest. Now, obviously, people could use the same principle in social settings and just say, I, one of the examples I often give people is is so gee everyone's got a story what's yours and dude you want to hear people go go just forever you 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 float that to them yeah and it's like you know it's like put a leash on because they're going to be running around the room um but but still i think the the point for our audience to get is that and this is something i think is lost on a lot of people is that you're starting by talking about them instead of talking about you. So a lot of people will say, oh, hi, I'm Dave, and and I do X, Y, Z, and A, B, C. How about you? Right. And it's like you start by talking about you instead of, well, let's talk about them. The The other concept I often share with people and the way you set up your network and the way you describe it in the book is fascinating is if you're at a networking event with 30 people, how many potential clients does that recommend? Does does that represent? And people will always give a number that's less than thirty. And I say no. Those are thirty people who are each connected to a thousand other people. Right. So if you can connect right. in a meaningful way with those people, and then you can ex- you can describe the kind of problems that you solve. Right. Then they might go. You know, but one of my buddies has that problem. Right. And so, right. you know, we, we often think in this binary, well, there are only 30 people. There don't have to be that many people. It's funny. I, I write a column every week in Forbes and in Inc. And the, um, and the, the articles that generate the, the greatest amount of business for me are the articles that have the fewest number of views. <laughs> but they're <laughs> dead on to the, to the people who care most about them. Well, and that that's, you know, I, one of the questions I got from a client recently, and I've, I've had it a few times over the years, and it's something that, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's familiar to you is so, you know, I set up the speaking engagement and I had, you know, 30 people who RSVP'd, but the weather was really bad and only two people showed up. Do I still do the engagement or only two people RSVP'd? Do I still do the engagement? And, you know, the the first way to react to that is to react to it from from a very egotistical perspective and say that's not enough people i can't believe these people didn't they didn't see the value i could provide the second way to react is to react with what i call an external orientation and say those two people 
each know 500 people. And if I do a great job with those two people and I can help them and show them some tremendous value and really change the way they think about their business, change the way they think about sales, they're going to go out and they're going to each tell those 500 people. And I could get 500 new clients as a result, if you look at it that way, you're not just you're not just going to do that speaking engagement. You're running to do that speaking engagement because you have a chance to develop a great intimate relationship with two people who want to work with you. Building the right sales talent in your organization can be a challenge. I mean, how do you know which candidates are going to do well and which ones aren't and even which questions to ask in the interview process to figure it out? Well, you don't have to struggle with it anymore. The people at Peak Sales Recruiting have come up with a free sales interview guide. And if you need help finding the right candidates, these guys are total rock stars at finding those right candidates and helping them understand why they'd be better off working for you than somebody else. To get their free guide and to learn more, visit peaksalesrecruiting.com slash Ian. It's interesting. It's interesting you give that example as a, as a speaker, and, and you and I speak about the same amount um, per year, similar audiences. And I had two engagements back to back, one that was about three thousand people, and the other one was for uh, you know a local uh, peer advisory group. And the person calls me that morning and says, "Look, I had all these people who were out of town and called in and canceled. There's only three people." And the interesting part is that I actually generated the same amount of business from the group of three people as I did from the group of 3,000 people. Yeah, and, and it, it's, 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 it's quality, not quantity. That's important. And if you have that external orientation and you think about, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver the maximum amount of value I can to these three people, you don't know who those people are. Those people could be your next great client. So, Dave, what are, what are some of the other pitfalls that you know traditional sellers fall into that you help them unpack or correct in the sixty second sale? Well, the first the first thing that um, the first thing that people ask me about there's there's two there's two types of people that come to me. Uh, the first type of person in terms of uh, in terms of quote unquote salespeople, right? And when I say salespeople in air quotes, it could be an entrepreneur who uh, you know whose business has plateaued. So it's it's either somebody like that whose business has plateaued and they're and they're looking to they're they're looking to jumpstart what's going on, or it's someone who is really looking to go from good to great. They're looking to they're, they're just looking for any edge they can get and they uh, and they come to me and they go, "Listen, just give me give me your best stuff," right? And the funny thing is, when I first start working with people, and this is and this is in the book as the very first thing you should do, when I first start working with people, my advice to both of those people, whether it's the the most successful person who just wants the slight edge, or it's the person who's plateaued, or maybe even is starting a new business, and that's think about everyone you know. Think about all those relationships that you've developed over the years. Write all their names down. And look at that list and tell me if they can each tell you tell uh, somebody else what you do. And then the people write the names down and they look at them and they think probably half to two thirds of them can't describe in any detail to a friend 
what they do. So then I say, what you need to do is you need to call them. You need to reconnect with them. You need to ask them what's going on in their life. You need to see if you can help them achieve a goal or solve a problem, right? Have an external orientation first. And then when they ask you what's going on, you need to be prepared with a one or two sentence answer so that you can tell them exactly what you do and exactly the value you provide and exactly who they can introduce you to to help you jumpstart your business. That's great. And it's a it's a it's amazing that exercise alone is uh, is one that like when when seasoned people come to me, people who've been you know in business for 10, 15, 20, 25 years, when seasoned people come to me and I have them do that exercise, sometimes they'll call and we'll go through that exercise and I won't hear from them for like four or five months because they're, <laughs> they're spending that time going through that list. But if you think about it, if you've been around the block a couple of times, you've been you've been in business for five years or more, you never have to make another cold call because you've got relationships already and there are people out there who could connect you with the people you want to meet. Yeah. And, and and it's something that you you spell out so well in the book is the whole system behind it and and the way the way you're building rapport and the way you're building out your network in a very intentional way. I think that a lot of people, I mean my my um, my joke is always that you know someone reaches out to me on LinkedIn and if it's a generic request where they don't personalize it, I almost categorically decline it. And then if they reach out and within 30 seconds of me accepting it, they pitch me on something, then I kill the connection because it's like, okay, it's you don't they don't have that, as you would call it, that external view. Right. They're just looking at it from their own perspective. Right. And, and it's once you start thinking about every interaction you have that way, once you start thinking about every interaction with who can I introduce this person to? How can I help them? Who's you know, who's a who's a good connection I can make for them? Once you start thinking about the world like that you can spot in another person a very self-centered orientation immediately. Right now, my, my wife and I are going through the car buying process. And I normally love any sales into I, I go to every timeshare pitch. I love sales. <laughs> you and I definitely have to hang process. out because yeah, I'm the I, same way. It's like, bring it. I want to, I want to see, I want to see what you're going to do. And I'm not, uh, listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not a jerk about it. Right. So yeah. I'm not throwing up, I'm not throwing up roadblocks. Yeah. I legitimately have an, and I'm not there as a tire kicker. I legitimately have a need. So what, what we did in this process, and we're in the middle of it right now. So we, my, we, we want to, uh, we, my wife, originally wanted uh, the big Lexus truck because yeah. yeah, we, we own a Lexus now and we we drove it and with my kids and all the crap we carry around, unfortunately, it's just not enough room. Yep. So um, and my kids trash every vehicle that they spend any time in. So I said to her, have you looked at the I said, have you thought about the Cadillac Escalade? She said no. So we went and looked at the Escalade. She liked the Escalade a lot. Then we went on a, on a trip um, this summer and we rode to the airport in a Suburban. She's like, she turns to me, she's like, and the kids are in the back and, you know, they're like, it seems like they're miles away from us. She's like, I really like this. What kind of a car is this? I'm like, are you kidding me? This is a Chevy <laughs> Suburban. This would be great. I would love to have this car. And it's and, it's, and we're going to save a ton of money <laughs> compared to the Lexus <laughs> or the Cadillac. So now we're going through the process. And I said, you need to drive one. So we come home from our trip. And we the first Chevy dealership we see when we're going out to lunch the other day, we stop it. 
And, uh, you know, it's the middle of the day. There is no, there is not a customer to be found. Half the salespeople are smoking on, on the loading dock. The other half are drinking coffee by the front door. And we walk in and we're going from car to car. Finally, the person who approaches us uh, introduces himself, never gets our name, never asks why we're there, never – he asks, he asks what car we're looking for, never asks why we want a car that big, doesn't ask any qualifying questions, lets us take a test drive. And I turned to him and I said, thank you so much. I shook his hand and I said, we'll let you know. And he said, OK. And he didn't <laughs> even know who we were. <laughs> and it's but, – but, but, My wife was like, man, that was really painless. I'm like, that was too painless. The guy doesn't even know who we are. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like it was such a soft sale. He didn't even get your names. You know, for all I know, he might not have even worked there and just had the keys on him. I mean, maybe he was just some random guy (laughs) that it was it was unbelievably, you know, unbelievably poor. So the next place we go, I said to my wife, here's what. So based on what you saw, this is what you liked. And I wrote down all the specs and I said, Call the dealership, ask for their best salesperson, their absolute best salesperson, the, the top producer. Find out when that person is there. We will go see them, and they have to have uh, cars in the two colors you like ready for us to, to drive. So we call the next dealership, and we, you know, she talks to the sales manager. She gives them, he gives him the information. She follows up with an email. The best salesperson meets us. We drive the two cars and we said, this is the one we want. We want to come pick it up on Monday. Um, you know, here's uh, here are the here are the financing specs. This is what we like. Send us your best offer via email and we'll see if we can come to a deal and we'll come back and pick it up on Monday. Do you know this was just yesterday? Do you know today this morning? I got an email from some random person at the dealership, some customer service person with financing specs that were out of the scope that that I had given them and for a different vehicle and it's a different person <laughs> it's unbelievable wow so you know if so if, if I'm that if I'm that salesperson and I'm the guy who's the best salesperson there what do I do I find out all the reasons why, and this guy did that he found out all the reasons why we wanted the vehicle we wanted he was great he uh, you know he made a great connection with my wife they're originally from the same city in New Jersey and everything and he said I'm going to email you right away with the with the information he never emailed us he passed us off to some customer service person who emailed us a complete day later and with specs on a different a completely different vehicle so you know external orientation is great in the beginning but you also have to follow all the way through maybe they thought the camaro would be a better car for you and your family yeah, I wish it was the Camaro. No, it was uh, it was a uh, it was a truck. It was like uh, uh, it was a uh, oh god, it, I can't I can't remember the the specific name of the truck, but it was a truck which I would have loved, but my wife would never have uh, would never have had it. You know, and it just it just illustrates that so many organizations they just they miss the simple stuff that could drive a lot of business for them, and it's well, you know. It, I, I, it's all about relationships, yeah. right? So, so if you, so I walk in there, and and by the way, the reason that we didn't, my my our our Lexus guy offered to source any car we wanted for us. He he said he said to me, look, you don't like because we bought a few Lexuses from him, and he's he's the he is the best. I think and, the plural is Lexi, but go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> so and, and, you know we've bought in a few, we've bought we've bought and we've yeah. bought a few vehicles from him, <laughs> and uh, and he said uh, he said, listen, I, I get that. This is not the right car for you. He's like, I know I'm going to work with you again on another car. 
what I want you to do is just tell me the exact vehicle you want and I will find you the vehicle. He said, for the sake of the relationship, he said, there's a, he's like, usually they, they, they'll pay me a broker fee. He's like, I'll knock that broker fee off the, off the bottom line of the car for you if you want me to. And, um, you know, candidly, I, I wouldn't want to ask somebody to, to work for free. And I just didn't, I didn't feel comfortable uh, having him do that. Cause it would have been, an, we would have changed our mind a few times and it would have been a lot of work. And I don't think he would have made a lot of money on it. So I'd rather have the person at the actual dealership make the money on it, but that's the way to do it. That's sure. exactly the way to do it. You're building a relationship. Yeah. And, and those relationships are key. I remember in, in same side selling, I tell a story about there was a guy um, years ago, I used to buy every suit, every garment from at Nordstrom. And I went in to buy a pair of gloves. I was taking a trip, going to a, a cold city and didn't have, didn't have uh, winter gloves and thought, man, I need to get some gloves. I went in, we tried a bunch of gloves. He goes, yeah, these aren't right. I know what you need. And we walk, he walks me through the mall to a Macy's. Oh, that's awesome. Says, yep, this, you know, I want this model, this and that. Hands me, hands the guy his credit card, buys it, and then comes back and does a transaction. Nordstrom, he goes, this way, if you have an issue, we can take care of the return. And it's oh, funny because awesome. the, the guy that's at Macy's fantastic. is thinking, hey, here's a potential client. It's like, no, it's not going to work that way. You really think I'm going to do business with you when this guy just took an hour out of his day to get me a pair of gloves from yeah. another from another part of the mall? Like, this is crazy. But it's that commitment to the outcome for the client that makes a uh, makes a huge difference. So, um, I, and I, I got to tell you, I've I, I've I really enjoyed the book. I think the the notion of the sixty second sale piques people's interest, and I think that whole notion of how you focus on the relationship side, you know, you, you call it the ultimate system for building lifelong client relationships in the blink of an eye. It's it is it's that it's that first sixty seconds where they say, I like and trust this person. And now you've earned the right to make a recommendation. That is the sale that you're making. Yes, that's it. So, Dave, what's the best way for people to learn more about you and connect with you? Well, they can go to uh, my website. It's the same as my name, DaveLorenzo.com. Or uh, to get the book, if they're interested in doing that, Amazon always has it. So Amazon sure. is a great place. But if you want uh, the special bonus offers that we have, you can go to greatsalesbook.com. That's just like it sounds, greatsalesbook.com. Uh, you'll see a short video from me there where I have uh, where I have a, a fantastic bonus offer for people who buy uh, directly through me, and um, I'd love to I'd love to connect with people who are uh, who are interested in selling and love to tell sales war stories. That's fantastic, Dave. Well, you know what? We'll include all that information in the show notes, and it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks. Oh, thank you so much. It's been an honor being with you today. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply to your business right away. First, make sure that you're not just focused on yourself, that you have an external viewpoint. Dave's got some great examples in his book, The 60-Second Sale, of networking scripts and making sure that you're talking about them and not you. Make sure that you're valuing the relationship over the transaction. And Dave and I each shared some stories of people who did that, who left a lifelong impression on us, and it's the kind of people we'd go back to, as well as some stories of people who didn't do it so well. And then make sure that you've got a process that you're following that's intentional rather than something random. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic you think I should cover or a guest you'd like me to have on the program, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially 
your customer.